Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. What is going on with my soundboard tonight? <laughs> screwy with everything tonight i don't know what's going on welcome programs greetings programs (laughs) we're back here for the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond good lord (laughs) the video game gods are angry with us they are not smiling upon it they they know you're gonna make fun of the sonic trailer because that's (laughs) That's what's happening. The Sonic is the Gremlins have uh, crawled into my computer and making everything go stupid. And uh, yeah, so that's what's happening. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So for those who are watching live, if you're wondering why we're starting a bit late, uh, I've been having some power issues at my house uh, the last couple of days and it's funny because i had mentioned it as jason and i were talking right before we started i was about to post the link on facebook for us to say oh we're live talking sonic mania tonight and then the room goes black so i go into my laundry room which is where my uh, breaker board is if that's the technical name for it. i'm not a very handy person when it comes to that kind of stuff but um Anyway, the breaker had been flipped for this side of the house. So I flipped it back. And I was like, okay, well, well, we'll get started. And then a couple of minutes later, it happens again. So I've done some uh, finagling, and hopefully this will work. But I, I will say that I think this is the best lighting I've ever had during yeah, the show. <laughs> it looked very and professional. And so I, I've, got my, I've got my laptop set up on a stack of about six or seven books i've got my wireless keyboard and mouse here with me and then i had to basically rip my webcam out of my desktop and then i set it on top of my laptop so awesome <laughs> yeah so it, it's been um that and today's just been it's been pretty awful yeah. uh it, it's just been work was not fun today um you know it's it's you know how you just have one of those days where just yeah. nothing goes right that's that's kind of how today's been but um i I will give a a positive note uh for those who uh i mean if you're listening to this i assume you're into most nerd and pop culture things um we actually had a very successful star wars night yeah we had upwards of eight to twelve members of the 501st legion show up to dress up as characters they were a huge hit um, at the game, there were a ton of people dressed up in costume. Uh, we made, you know, like all the we put all of our um, our baseball players in like Jedi robes and stormtrooper outfits on their headshots on the video board, so it actually looked like they were from the Star Wars movies. 
I did uh, to intro the team before they walked out on the field. I played, I made this like mock opening crawl for the, um, it was like a mockery of the crawl you see at the beginning of every Star Wars movie, yeah. just kind of set up what was going to happen. So it, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was nice getting to kind of integrate something that's meant a lot to me into, you know, what I do is as a job. So that's awesome. It was great. Well, hopefully my soundboard will, will not go screwy like it did at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I was just talking hopefully. to Derek before the show that I think it's about time for a new iMac because this one is definitely starting to show its age. I definitely need to get a new laptop. You know, I mean, right now it's running okay, but I need something with a little bit more power to it. So yeah, I think that's, here. I'm probably going to hold off on getting a new desktop because it still runs fine. Um, I've got to get the RAM fixed on it, but it, it's, it still runs fine. You know, it's, I think, eight years old or about to be eight years old. So it's, it's had a really good run, but it still, still runs well for the most part. Yeah, this iMac is about five years old, so it's, it's getting to that point where I, I'm going to need something new soon. I can't keep stretching the life out of it, so... Yep, it's yeah. about that time, so we can have a better show, so we don't have any more mishaps like we did at the beginning of this one. So what do you say, Derek, we go ahead and dive into this episode and get into the news? Let's do it. So our first story comes to us from ARSTechnica.com, the streaming service that wants to save the retro gaming biz from piracy. For decades now, the only practical way for most people to access vast swaths of digital gaming history has been through illegal ROM downloads. Unlike music and movies where thousands of catalog works are available through multiple different streaming and download services like iTunes, Netflix, Hulu, mm -hmm. the game industry restricts its commercial history to aging cartridges and arcade cabinets, extremely sporadic re-releases on modern hardware, and limited services like Nintendo Switch Online, which has replaced the virtual console. A newly announced service called AntStream just reached its 50,000-pound Kickstarter goal to help change that state of affairs. The planned service has spent years tracking down the licenses to over 2,000 classic titles from the arcade, ZX Spectrum, Amiga, Commodore 64, and the Sega Genesis. Subscribers to an all-you-can-play plan starting at $50 a year for early backers will soon be able to play those emulated games via remote streaming on their PC, Mac, Xbox One, iOS, or Android device. So what do you think of this? I mean, I think in theory, a video game streaming platform like a Netflix or something along those lines, Dude, I would, in theory, I think is a great idea. I was just talking about this a few weeks ago on this very show. You were. <laughs> we need to have something like this. So I am very, very excited about this. The only thing that kind of sucks is it does go into um, uh, the whole rights issue uh, about it's very hard to attain all the rights to all these games because of different publishers and especially with Nintendo. And it says here, the biggest gap in Antstream's catalog as it stands as it stands is Nintendo hardware. The company behind the NES and SNES has often put up roadblocks for companies that want to emulate that hardware on modern platforms. 
though their legal right to do so for games published by third party is thin at best. Thus, it's not surprising that classic Nintendo systems aren't represented on Antstream's initial list of titles. I really think that if this takes off and you can you know, have this for $50 a year to play all the retro games that you want to play uh, via streaming, uh, I think Nintendo, it, it, Nintendo is notoriously late to the game, so it's going to take something like this to make Nintendo realize that there is a market for all those old games. So either A, they will allow all these old games to be on this platform, or they will get off their ass and put them all on Nintendo Switch Online, the NES, and the Super Nintendo Library. They need to put every single game on there. Quit all this piecemealing crap. Just put everything on there. Make everything accessible, everything playable. Just throw it all on there because we want it. I'm tired of this, you know, four games a month and two of them are, quote, special editions. Like, no, I don't want that. I want all, you know, 900 NES games to choose from. That's what I want. Yeah, I think if they do any of those options, it will be the latter. But I agree with you in the sense that Nintendo has to release just they just release everything. Yeah. If you do that, people are going to swarm to the Switch Online store yeah. and buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's as simple as that. They will drown in the money. They will swim Scrooge McDuck style in their vault. Yep. If that happens, uh, but back to AntStream. I do think it's really cool, but in, at the same time, the chances are they're not going to have Nintendo. So if they can get, you know, a good portion of everything outside of Nintendo, I yeah. think it does have a a chance to succeed. Well, I think to have the Sega Genesis titles on there is going to go a long way. Yep. Um, you know the the Commodore sixty four and the ZX Spectrum, all that stuff. That stuff's cool. Most of those games are cool to play like one or two times. There's a lot of cool Amiga stuff I would like to to play and experience that I never got to experience back in the 80s. But like I said, the Sega Genesis being on here and, and an all-you-can-play plan for $50 a year, which is nothing, I'm totally down for this. No, I agree 100%. But... I don't know. I, I knew it was coming, and I'm I'm glad it's it, it's happening. So I knew somebody was going to take you know grab the ball and run with it. They just need to send you a royalty check. Yeah, they do. Where's my <laughs> Where's my streaming check? <laughs> where's my money? Where's my money? Uh, this next story is um, is really not. I mean, it's on wunc.org uh, about how the Game Boy is turning thirty came out 30 years ago it marked a beginning and an end uh let's see the let's see the device was janky by today's standards i don't think so but it was revolutionary in 89 see that's why i didn't want to put this uh this particular story in here i really just wanted to put this in here um there's a lot of hyperbole in this article here <laughs> but i really just wanted to throw this up because the game boy does turn 30 years old this year and um it was roughly like I think about ninety nine ninety nine when it first came out, which was still pretty expensive for the day. I mean, if you look uh, at inflation, that was roughly probably about one hundred and fifty bucks, one hundred and seventy bucks in today's money. 
but I remember the one I bought was uh, slashed. I think they had finally settled on a price after a few years of like seventy nine ninety nine, which wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah. I never really played my Game Boy all that much. I did get the one where the uh, the pack end game was Link's Awakening, and I never bought any other games than that one. I never had Tetris, which was one of the one game that I always wanted for it. But the 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 Game Boy actually lasted for like. It was on the market till like 2002 or 2004, mm-hmm. which is nuts for that system to be on, you know, to be alive for that long. Well, it went through so many different incarnations. You had the Game Boy Color, you had the Game Boy Pocket, uh, then they switched over to Game Boy Advance, I think, in the early 2000s. So that ended yeah. that traditional run of the Game Boy, but... Yeah, it had a heck of a run and had so many cool games. You know, Tetris, I think, is the most known game for it and had a lot of fun playing that when I was younger. But it had the Mario Land games, I think, are extremely overlooked because I think they were for the Game Boy and not for a main console like an NES or a Super Nintendo. Yeah. Same thing with Link's Awakening, you know, and it's it's getting the remake and it's going to get finally the attention that it's deserved for so long. Yeah. But there were a lot of fun games for the Game Boy, and you know, one is actually going to be not the game I review tonight, but my review after this is going to be uh, Mario Land Two for the Game Boy. I mean, you look at all the different iterations of the Game Boy Two. It came out. It just it was the the pea soup green screen and the brick <laughs> onto yeah. the uh, what was the next version of the the Game Boy? The Game Boy Color, and then onto the Game Boy Advance. There was also the Game Boy Pocket, oh, that's right. which was which was like the one. Game Boy, but just Tiny. smaller. Yeah, um, but you can still actually pick up uh, Game Boy Advances for relatively cheap, and they're they're everywhere. Like I see them all over the place. So I actually may pick up uh, a Game Boy Advance because you can still play all the old. You can play all the Game Boy games uh, pre- for previous to that. Um, yeah. on the Game Boy Advance. So that's actually a pretty good system to own if you especially if you want to play all the you know the older Game Boy games, which a lot of those are, you know, I I still want to go back and play a lot of those games like the the Metroid game. Uh I'd love to I I'm ready for Link Link's Awakening to the remake to come out soon because I really want to play that since I never really played it too much when it first came out. You'll like it. It's it's a really, really good game. But yeah, I actually still have my Game Boy Advance SP, which is like a foldable version of it. Yeah. And it was a special NES edition. Uh, and it looks like an NES controller. That's so awesome. Which is which is really cool. But uh, I guess we'll go ahead and move on to the next story because I know you've been uh, waiting very patiently. Uh, <laughs> so last week, you know, we had the opportunity to record the show on a Monday because we also did my show with Stephen Wally talking about Avengers Endgame. So I'm driving to work the next day, and, and I had read after we did my show that there was a possibility that the first Sonic trailer was going to come out. And I didn't really think anything else of it until I was driving to work the next day when you texted me and said the Sonic trailer is out with three emojis of an indifferent face. (laughs) So I was like, well, I'll I'll watch it as soon as I get to work. And yeah, I watched it. (laughs) I watched it. Uh, That's that's, that's my review. I watched it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so this is the thing. I did not have very high expectations for this because as I've mentioned numerous times on this show, I've been against the whole live action thing from the very beginning because it's very, very difficult for it to pull off. Like to me, the only good live action animation hybrid I can think of is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and that was made in the late 80s. Now, I think Detective Pikachu is going to break that trend from the trailers I've seen because with that movie, from trailer number one, I've been all in on it because the Pokemon look great, and I think they look how they should look if they were in a real live-action environment. You know, Pikachu yeah. looks all furry. Uh, Bulbasaur has kind of a rubbery and like a frog-type look to him. You know, Mewtwo looks very rubbery. They all look to me like they should if they existed in real life. And then we get to the Sonic trailer. When it was finished, and I think, you know, I, I echo your sentiments on Twitter, I truly felt embarrassed yeah. watching the trailer because not only did Sonic's design look really bad, the movie just doesn't look any good. Yeah. It looks like, do you remember a couple of years ago, or maybe even be longer, when they did that live-action Woody Woodpecker movie? Yes. It reminded me exactly of that. Well, here's the thing. I hate, I really hate being negative about anything, uh, you know, entertainment-wise, like movies or, or music or anything. Like, I don't like to be negative, but because I know how hard it is to make a movie. I know mm -hmm. no one goes into a movie expecting to make a bad movie. Mm -hmm. But somebody somewhere along the line had to see this and be like, guys, this is not good. We need to stop what we're doing and go back to the drawing board. I mean, I understand that they had already sunk like millions of dollars into this thing. But come on, man, like this just who looked at this and thought it was a good idea, thought that that trailer was funny and sold it like I felt embarrassed for Jim Carrey. I felt embarrassed for um, uh, what's his name that played Cyclops, uh, James, James Marsden. Marsden. I felt bad for everybody in the trailer. I'm like, this looks so awful like it it made me embarrassed after i watched it i was embarrassed for everybody involved well the thing is is that sonic's design is not my main gripe with the trailer my main gripe is that it does not look like a good movie no because and i granted i might be biased because i grew up a sonic fan but it's not at all what i would have done with a sonic film it looks for one like something... I, I would not have made it live action it looks like something that would have been made in the 90s. Yes. It also reminds me of when uh, the live-action Dragon Ball movie came out. Actually, it might, that might have been about a decade ago. And when I watched it, it, it reminded me of an action movie that would have been made in, like, 1993. Yeah. And that's what this reminds me of. There are a couple of highlights from it that I think are kind of interesting. So at the very end of the trailer, there's this little staticky effect, and you see Jim Carrey with a bald head and a giant mustache. Like he looks more like the traditional Robotnik. Yeah. So I I saw like the screen cap of it, and in the background there are giant mushrooms, and everything looks a lot brighter. 
so what I'm thinking, because in the trailer, Sonic mentions, I guess I'm going to have to save your planet. My guess is that Robotnik will follow Sonic back to his world, and that will cause his appearance to change. Possibly. <laughs> if I had to guess. Now, as a follow-up to this, the director, Jeff Fowler, has come out, and he actually went out on Twitter and said, thank you for the support and the criticism. The message is loud and clear. You aren't happy with the design and you want changes. It's going to happen. Everyone at Paramount and Sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be. So now Jeff Fowler, the director, he has a background in visual effects. So my guess is he's probably helping the visual effects team, you know, as a more hands-on role. Yeah. It's changing Sonic's design. I've seen a couple of mock-ups that make him look a little closer to how he looks in the video games. And I do think it looks a lot better. But I don't think that that's going to save this movie. No, I just, it, like I said, it looks like something that was made in the 90s. Like it's got, the humor in it is just, was not funny. Like there was nothing about that trailer. And what was up with using Gangster's Paradise? That was going to be my next point was that the moment where I said this is awful was when Sonic put in that cassette tape into his boombox and that song started playing. Like, I just don't get it. I, I... <laughs> you know, when the when the trailer first started and they had the kind of techno Daft Punk type music, I was like, OK, I can I can see this as, you know, fitting in this in Sonic's world. But as soon as that, as soon as Gangsta's Paradise happened, and you see the outline of Sonic, and I'm like, yeah, this is bad. Yeah, this is really, really bad. Did they just they get I, it on discount from Coolio or something? Like, why was that in the trailer? My favorite comment was Weird Al went on Twitter and said, yeah. "I'm not sure how I feel about a parody of Amish Paradise being used in the new Sonic trailer." Uh, man. <laughs> You know you're uh, you screwed up when Weird Al is like making fun of your trailer. <laughs> yeah, I mean you want him to knock your song because if he makes a parody of it, that means he respects it enough to knock it. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, this movie comes out in November and we're in early May, so I just feel bad. The visual for effects team's going to be putting in a lot of hours. I just feel bad for everybody involved with this thing. Like I think it was just it, it feels like half baked. It, it's know. one of those it's one of those things that you know when you just know something bad's going to happen. Yeah. So you kind of prep yourself for it, but it's one of those things that when it does happen, you still don't feel prepped for it. <laughs> That's how I felt watching it. Like I felt uh, so disappointed yeah. watching it because a small part of me, like I, my gut told me this movie was not going to be good or look good, but I held out a small glimmer of hope. Yeah. And then the trailer just flushed it down the toilet. Yeah. And I will say this, if Paramount wanted some advice on how to make a good Sonic movie, I'm not that hard to get a hold of. Yeah, we're right here. Just hit us yeah. up at Nerd Cave Retro. We both, we both look at the, the Twitter. Just go on there. You can reach both of us on there. Yeah. I will be more than happy to, to give feedback. DMs are open, Paramount. DMs are yeah. open. <laughs> God, if little... this had been Zelda, I would have probably oh, yeah. thrown every single chair in my office. <laughs> Nintendo's not going to let that happen. Trust me. No. No, I guarantee you they're watching this Sonic trailer and like, yep, yeah, 
we're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> and uh, the sad but, thing is, is that I've read that I've read early reviews of Detective Pikachu, and it flat out says this breaks the trend yeah. of bad video game movies. And then Sonic's going to put it right back in the cellar. Mm. That sucks, man. And I, I hate saying all of this stuff, but after watching the trailer, I just don't have any faith in it. I don't either. I don't think anybody does. I don't think that, and there's no amount of fixing Sonic at this point is going to erase that from people's memories. No, you can fix his design all you want, and people will say, oh, yeah, Sonic looks much better, but that's not going to make the movie, it's not going to make the story any good. It's not going to make the acting any better. All it's going to do is change the primary character's look. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> and that's it. Ugh. Ah! Ugh. Let's see. How do I put this? Let me put it right here. This is this is exactly how you... you blow it! That's all I got to say. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I got some new music to take us into this month in video game history. Uh, a couple. Of, I'm gonna play something different every week for this month in video game history. But here's here's one I got for this week. May oh, that's great. It's awesome, huh? Love it. <laughs> May 22nd, 1980, Namco releases Pac-Man, originally Puck-Man in Japan. It becomes the highest grossing video game of all time. It has the first gaming mascot character, establishes the maze, maze chase genre, opened gaming to female audiences, introduced power-ups, and featured cutscenes. Never heard of it. Really? Never heard of it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, Pac-Man, he's right up there with Mario as the most iconic video game characters of all time. You know, I, <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, I remember as a kid, almost every pizza place I went in, there was a Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man arcade. Yeah. It, it's a, to me, it's a must-have. If you still have an arcade, if you run one, Pac-Man's got to be top three machine that you have that or miss pac-man oh I, I still i have a theory that there's a miss pac-man in every single pizzeria in america if there's not there definitely should be should be yeah but no pac-man i'd say him and mario are the two most iconic video game characters of all time yeah <laughs> yeah also in May of 1980, Stratavox from Sun Electronics is the first game with voice synthesis. Ooh, what is this Stratavox? I have never heard of this. It's an arcade fixed shooter developed by Sun Electronics and published by Taito in 1980. The first player. video game to feature voice synthesis. The player must shoot UFOs who will hmm. attempt to kidnap astronauts that appear on the right side of the screen. If the player lets all the astronauts be kidnapped, the game is over. Aw, there's no uh, no gaming uh, caption no, on here. No screen caps or anything. Nope. Uh, according to Twin Galaxies, John Brissy of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, scored a world record 140,900 points on Stratavox on April 16th, 2008. That's why I love doing this month in video game history, because I, I would have never, have, for one, never have heard of this game. And two, known that it was the first game to feature voice synthesis. Yeah, I know. That's, that's cool. Let's see. Uh, also, another Namco release in 1985. In May, Namco releases Metrocross. 
which is... It is a platform arcade game that was released by Namco in 85. It runs on Namco Pac-Land hardware, but with a video system like that used in Dragon Buster, modified to support a 2048 color palette. Hmm. I want to say I've seen this game before. This looks pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure we talked about it last year on the show, I but we did, I feel I, like I, I've... I, I feel like I've artwork. seen this game somewhere else. This artwork looks really familiar, so I think we did yeah. talk about this. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's see. In May of 1985, Konami releases Gradius in Japan called Nemesis in other places. I love Gradius. Gradius is great. Have you reviewed Gradius? Uh, no, I have not. Actually, I thought about it. I think I may do that. Um, you actually, should. next week I was thinking of, uh, in honor of um, Avengers Endgame, I was thinking about doing the Incredible Hulk for the Super Nintendo. Okay, that'd so be I, a good one. Yeah, I'll do that for next week. I, it's, I've had it for a while and I've never really played it, so I'd like to dive into it and see what that's all about. Yeah. I like that. And uh, also in May of 85, Capcom, Capcom releases Commando, a vertically scrolling on-foot shooter which inspires many games with similar themes and gameplay. I like Commando, but um, from what I remember, the NES version was not very good. The graphics, there's a screen cap on the Wikipedia page. This almost looks Super Nintendo-like. Yeah, I mean, me. this was, uh, this was a, a, an arcade game that... Um, I remember playing a lot in the arcade when I was a kid, and um, they did uh, an NES port of it, uh, which was the only port I ever played, but they, they made a bunch of different ports of it for like the Commodore 64, uh, Atari 7800, 2600, the Amiga, the ZX Spectrum, but I played the NES one, and it's kind of a lot like... Um, Akari Warriors, which also didn't hold up well. Those kind of top-down shooters, uh, they just didn't trans translate well to the Nintendo, and I don't know why. Seems like they would have. Interesting. Let's see. Uh, in May 12th of 1989, Konami releases Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, one of the first video games based on the 1987 TMNT animated series, being released after the show's second season. Which I still say is a great game that gets a lot of flack for the, uh, the, the, the damn level. Yeah. Other than the damn level, that damn level, <laughs> that damn level, that damn, damn level, uh, this is a great game. Uh, does a lot of, did a lot of cool stuff with that game. It was more or less open world, like the, the mm -hmm. top-down open world part. Um, you know, the, the actual side scrolling, uh, area, it, it was pretty well done. I mean, each, some turtles were better to use than others. Of course, Donatello being the absolute most overpowered turtle in the game and the best one to use. It's a hard game, but it's fun. And I, I hate that it gets the, the flack that it does. Well, I think it's part of it has to do with the fact that the arcade game is so iconic and yeah. so beloved that this game's almost overlooked. But no, I, I agree with you in the sense that you know I never made it past the the damn level. That damn. But damn level. I I still had a lot of fun playing it. 
I still prefer the arcade game, but I like this game a lot. Well, I mean, the cool thing is, and it, the, it, gets, it doesn't get the credit it deserves. The damn level is relatively early in the game. Mm -hmm. So once you get past that, like it, it's kind of smooth, not really smooth sailing. There's a lot of like the towards the end of the game is ridiculous when you get to the part with all the moving platforms. And there are so many uh, enemies on the screen that there's a lot of flicker and slowdown, which was another big issue with the game. But other than that, I mean, it, it, that game was so good. Like It was really good. No, I completely agree. And to close us out for this month of video game history, in May on May 11th of 1995, Sega releases the Sega Saturn console in North America. Never played the Sega Saturn. I did not either. I know a couple of people that had it, but I never played it. Oh, yeah, no, I, played... I did. I did play uh, they, when they had it set up uh, a demo in, uh, in Toys R Us at the time, because I remember playing uh, Panzer Dragoon. Which was a really cool game. Yeah, the only Sega consoles I've played are the Genesis, briefly played the Game Gear, and then Dreamcast. But yeah. never never played the Sega Saturn. It was always too expensive was, for my blood. I, don't know, I was just such a Nintendo fan. I mean, I love the Sonic games yeah. for the Sega consoles, but back then I was pretty hardcore on Nintendo's side. Yeah, same here. I, I was I I will always be a diehard Nintendo guy, but you know, with that new Sega Genesis uh classic coming out later this year, I think I'm gonna start having a little more love for the Sega Genesis and we're we're gonna start moving towards more Sega Genesis stuff. And honestly, I would love to pick up a uh TurboGrafx sixteen because that was always a system that I was really interested in and still mm -hmm. interested in to this day. So I would love to pick up uh, TurboGrafx-16 and actually uh, review some of those games for that, like Splatterhouse and things like that. No, for sure. I, I look forward to reviewing more you know, Genesis games as well. I'm going to dive more into you know, the handheld stuff like Game Boy, uh, Game Gear, and things like that. Well, now you know what time it is, kids. We're going to do our review for tonight. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... jaunty music right there so i decided that in a way partially to wash the taste of the sonic trailer out of my mouth <laughs> and to also show that not everything about sonic is bad so this is a game that i've actually looked forward to reviewing for a while but i've just been waiting for the right occasion to do it this week i am going to be reviewing sonic mania which is a platform game that came out in 2017 published by Sega for Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, PS4, and Windows. Now, you might be asking why I am reviewing a modern game, because this did come out two years ago, but it's made in the style of the classic Sonic games, and to me, where the Sonic game should stay, because this game is really freaking good. Yeah. Um, produced in commemoration of the Sonic the Hedgehog series' 25th anniversary, 
Yeah, it's crazy to think that Sonic's been around that long. Uh, Sonic Mania homages the original Sega Genesis Sonic games featuring side-scrolling gameplay and takes place over 12 levels. Eight of them have been redesigned from past games. So basically, the story of the game is very similar to the old ones. You fight Dr. Robotnik, but this time he has four robots that are fighting alongside of him called the Hard-Boiled Heavies. Hmm. So you fight them uh, and try to collect the Chaos Emeralds. And basically, you're transported between old levels from the original game. So you start out in Green Hill Zone, which was the first level from the very first Sonic game. And you go through levels from Sonic 2, Sonic 3. But there are new ones as well that are actually a lot of fun. My personal favorite being the Studiopolis Zone, which has a very like old school movie theater type feel to it. Hmm. And the music is so catchy to it. And that's something that I think is not necessarily overlooked, but I feel like isn't talked about enough. The music from all the old Sonic games is great. Oh, I love the, the music for Sonic. Like, that is some of the most iconic video game music, along with like the Super Mario theme and stuff like that. Like When you hear the Sonic theme, you know it's the Sonic theme. Yeah, and especially from the older, like the older zones, like when you start out at Green Hill Zone, like all the music is remixed yeah. and has a, a bit more of a modern sound to it, but still has that 16-bit taste. Yeah, uh, the the remix for Green Hill Zone is good. the The theme from Chemical Plant Zone, which is the second zone you play in, which is honestly my probably my all time favorite Sonic track. The, and the remix has been done, you know, several times because it's like that game is that zone is almost remade in every Sonic game ever created. Yeah. <laughs> but the one in this one is really good. Um, but as far as the gameplay goes, Sonic Mania is a side scrolling platformer similar to the early Sonic games released for the Genesis. You can select one of three playable characters, each with their own unique abilities. You can choose between Sonic, Tails and Knuckles. Sonic can perform a drop dash, which sends him rolling in a dash after a jump. Tails can fly and swim. And Knuckles can glide and jump on walls or climb walls. Um, basically, if, depending on who you play as, it changes the impact of the game. So with Sonic, you, know, you pretty much just run through it as quick as you can. There's not a really complicated objective to it. With Tails, you can be, you can explore a lot more because you can fly. And if there's any levels with water, you can swim, which makes navigating water a lot easier because Sonic and Knuckles can't do that. And with Knuckles, he can't jump very high, but he can also glide. And you can, he sticks to the side of walls and uses his sharp knuckles to climb up hmm. and down walls. So you can do a little more exploring with Knuckles, but. I personally don't like playing his Knuckles as much because his jumping ability is not very good. But it does offer it offers some good variety and creates for a different experience uh, depending on who you play as. And there's also a Sonic Mania Plus version uh, that includes Encore mode where you can pl also play as uh, Mighty the Armadillo and Ray the Squirrel from the old... Sega Sonic arcade game huh. and both of them have their own abilities too so Mighty can smash through walls like he has basically uh, let me see if I can find a 
description that's much better than how I would explain it. Okay, so an expanded version of the game, Sonic Mania Plus, was released at retail and is downloadable content for the original version. It adds playable characters Mighty the Armadillo and Ray the Flying Squirrel from the 93 arcade game Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. Mighty can slam the ground and is immune to spikes when in ball form, while Ray can glide without using altitude. And it also includes an encore mode where the levels are slightly redone and adds, you know, a different challenge. So you basically go through and play through the whole game again, but the levels are slightly different. Yeah. So it's basically two games in one if you get Sonic Mania Plus. That's cool. I just uh, looked it up. Sonic Mania right now is on uh, the Nintendo Switch game store for nineteen ninety nine. That may have to be a purchase for me. Oh, it's absolutely worth it. You know, as much as the modern Sonic games, like the Dreamcast one, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, and games that have come out after that, where Sonic transitioned into 3D, he didn't quite make the transition as well as Mario did. Yeah. Like, to me, the Mario style of gameplay is perfect for both 2D and 3D. Yeah. Sonic works extremely well in 2D, and even adding in that 2.5D aspect to it. And, and you could still do but, sort of like a first person or maybe a third person type of thing where you're behind Sonic and going, you know, in a 3D environment, like maybe on a track or something really fast. Like that works, too. Mm-hmm. But trying to put him into a 3D world, it just doesn't work. He needs to stay in that that 2D environment. Well, in the special zones, when you're trying to collect the Chaos Emeralds, you actually go into kind of a 3D environment where you're racing around this track and you're trying to catch this machine that's... It has like a crane arm like you'd find in an arcade. Yeah. And the Chaos Emerald is attached to it and you basically have to try and catch it. And once you get to it, then you get the Chaos Emerald. So that adds a touch of 3D to it. But the primary aspect is that old school 2D, you know platformer style which is truly where sonic needs to stay yeah but um as far as kind of going back to the story a little bit you go through basically 12 different levels it plays like the old games where you have to collect the chaos emeralds and if you if you go through and you don't get them you basically go back to the main menu and you can pick to start at whatever level you want and you can go back. So say in like the green hill zone, the special stage locations are very easy to find. So in theory, you can go through the game, beat it, and you've collected maybe five of the seven emeralds and you can quit and resume as much as you want. And you won't really lose any of your progress. That's cool. Then you can go find, you know, the easy special stage locations to find and then get the seven emeralds, which when you do, you can transform into supersonic when you collect 50 rings, which basically makes them invulnerable and extremely fast, almost to the point where you can't really control him. <laughs> so, so if you're like running with Sonic, really, he moves so fast, it's more like gliding across yeah. the ground. There's not much traction with him. So when you stop, he doesn't stop instantly. Yeah. You know, so you have to factor that you know, into the equation, especially with the later levels where they get more complicated, where you're not just running through it makes playing as supersonic actually a bit of a challenge. Hmm. And as you're supersonic, 
for every second that goes by, you lose a ring from your ring total. And once it hits zero, you transform back into normal Sonic. Okay. It sounds but, fun. Like, th- I, I really want to play this now. Oh, it's good. It's really good. And as far as the actual plot, so this takes place after Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Uh, Sonic and Tails receive a powerful energy reading from Angel Island and board their biplane, the Tornado, to investigate. However, Dr. Eggman sends an elite group of egg robos to reach the signal before Sonic and Tails. They They excavate the source of the signal, a magical gemstone called the Phantom Ruby, just as Sonic and Tails arrive. The Egg Robos gain new powers from the Ruby, becoming the hard-boiled heavies, and since Sonic, Tails, and the island's guardian, Knuckles, through places where they have previously visited, where they pursue Eggman to prevent him from using the Ruby's power for evil, clashing with him and the heavies along the way. So each level has two different zones to it. In Zone 1, you fight um, like a mini-boss, and then in Zone 2, you'll fight usually one of the hard-boiled heavies, and every now and then you'll end up fighting Robotnik himself. Yeah. But, but you, you just pretty much go through, and you beat the hard-boiled heavies, and then you beat Robotnik, and if you have all seven emeralds, you beat the game 100%. That's cool. This sounds awesome. And the screenshots look great, too. Oh, the, the upgraded graphics, you know, it still has the 2D look. Yeah. But everything's very bright, very colorful. Um, frame rate is great. You know, it just it looks really, really good. And the gameplay holds up. The music, I think the remixes for the old tracks are really good, as well as the newer ones. Uh, it has that nice balance. I would have liked to have seen maybe they do like a half and half thing where they do six old levels and then six new ones. Yeah. But... I've I've got no real complaints about this game at all. You know, I, I put it up there with, you know, Sonic 2 as being one of my favorite Sonic games of all time. Wow. <laughs> That's so, high I mean, praise coming from you. I mean, other than that, there's not a ton to say about it. Otherwise that, you know, it was, it came along, I think, at the right time because all the 3D games were getting very mixed reviews. Yeah, and when this was announced as being going back to the old format, people were raving about it. Yeah, I, and, I remember when this came out a couple of years ago. Everybody was raving about how good this game was, and like it just took you know took Sonic back to form, and it was just it was just really good. It was yeah. what people wanted. Absolutely, and some of the reviews. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 9 out of 10. Game Informer, 8.5 out of 10. IGN, 8.7 out of 10. GameSpot, 9 out of 10. So overall, pretty high praise for this game. And at E3 2017, it was nominated for the Best Platformer and Best Nintendo Switch Game Awards by IGN, though it lost both to Mario Odyssey, Uh, which a lot of games lost to Mario Odyssey (laughs) that year. Oh, that's that's a step above everything. Like, Mario Odyssey is still... Like, I had so much trouble trying to figure out which game I liked better between out of Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Yeah, I like them both in in different ways. Same. Like Zelda to me was just it was a beautiful game. The gameplay was great. It was exactly what a modern Zelda needs to be. Yeah. Whereas Mario took me back to 
simpler times of playing Mario when I was a kid. It felt because like I'm not gonna. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it. It felt like wh- how I did when I first played Mario on the Nintendo 64. I'm not gonna lie. When you're in New Donk City, and you play through the festival section of it, yeah. and you do like the old Donkey Kong arcade style type game, yeah, that with the song in the background, like I, I had tears in my eyes. It was good when that happened. Yeah, that was. Like that whole section, like especially like the parts when he would go into the the two dimensional original Mario uh, levels, like that stuff was just so like just just punched me right in the nostalgia bone. Yeah, when that happened, it took me back to sitting in my aunt's house when I was a kid yeah. when I was first introduced to to Nintendo. Yeah, I'm a, I'm interested to see what they're gonna do next for Super Mario. Like, cause it was, that was such a good game, man. It was, it was really, I was worried about the, the cappy aspect to it, but it, it worked, worked extremely well. How, leave it to Nintendo to leave something as stupid as, as Mario's hat leading him on an adventure. Like, yeah, and it makes sense within the concept within the context of the game. And it, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's really, really good. But speaking of good, I think overall, for Sonic Mania, I give it extremely high praise. You know, I played through it, played through some of it again before we started doing the show. Uh, Still took me back to playing Sonic as a kid. It's a game that anybody can pick up and enjoy. And I'm giving this game a 9 out of 10. Wow. Awesome. it's, It's that good. It's right up there with Sonic 2 as being you know, my favorite Sonic game ever made. Well, my top three would be Sonic 2 would still be number one, then Sonic Mania, and then probably uh, Sonic 3. Well, I'm always looking for a good Switch game to, to add to the collection. Like, I still have Cuphead uh, on my wish list. I'm waiting for it to Same. drop in price because I know, I know the second I buy it, it's going to be like, oh, there's a sale for twelve ninety nine or something, and then I won't be able to get like the sale price. Uh, but uh, Sonic looks like it's really good. I don't know if it ever goes on sale, so I'm going to give it a week or two. If it doesn't go on sale, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on, trigger on it because I really want to play this. It's money well spent. Yeah. So yeah, that's, and I wanted to review this game just because I knew that I was going to just rip the mess out of the trailer. Yeah. But, but Sonic's not all bad. You know, all the classic Sonic games plus this one are really, really fun. So I, I highly recommend you check out Sonic Mania. Yeah, just stay it's away really from good. the uh, the Xbox 360 era Sonic games. Yeah, I mean, Generations wasn't terrible. But it it's easily, I think, the best of the 3D games, but it still doesn't hold a candle to the classics. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not, the classics are always great. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to close us out for, the, for your review for tonight, huh? I believe so. Anything you want to tell the good folks before we get out of here this evening? Yes, yeah, so uh, this Saturday, May 11th, I am... I guess I'm not hosting, but the season finale of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast will take place on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. I will be doing a two-part episode showcasing, I don't don't know if I should say highlighting or showcasing, but I'll say showcasing 
my short film, The Parker Syndrome. So part one will feature the cast of the film, and I'm not going to be hosting it. Julio Diaz, who's a fellow Pensacon moderator, will be hosting both episodes. I will be sitting on the panel, and part one, we're going to talk about primarily the casting and going through you know, me writing the script and figuring out the characters I wanted, as well as what drew them to want to be part of the film. And then part two will feature the crew. Uh, which will include yourself. Uh, oh, so yeah. that should be a lot of fun talking about more of the technical aspects and behind the scenes incidents that happened uh, during the, the two day shoot. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, basically part one is going to start at 6 PM central time. And then part two will take place at either seven thirty or half an hour after part one ends. Awesome. And then awesome. and then both episodes will be released in audio format and then I will be going on break for the rest of the summer. And I will be there. I will see you this Saturday, my friend. Looking forward to it. Should be it should be a lot of fun, you know. I I've been excited to to do this episode for a while and I feel like and not to pat myself on the back too much, but I feel like with me doing that show seasonally now, this is the perfect way to end this season of the podcast. Absolutely. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, I don't really ever do much anymore. So just follow me over at, at JFunktastic on Twitter to hear my uh, insane ramblings over there. And uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, let's go ahead and get out of here tonight, shall we? Let's do it. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, and at Derek underscore diamond. We're at Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And we're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Go over there and throw us a dollar a month and get us back up to that $50 level so we can give you those uh, commentary tracks every month and extra episodes. You know you want it. But if you don't have a dollar to give us every month, go leave us a review wherever you listen to the show. So Derek, please tell everyone what it's all about. Wow.